We're moving into the new season, but I also believe that we're moving into a new season as church. Not only this church, but there's a real sense in which I believe God is speaking to his church across this nation and across the world that as we come out of the pandemic, there's a new season that he has for his church, and we need to be people who are seeking to hear and understand what the Spirit of God is saying to the church at this particular time. It's great to see you, and I want to share something this morning, which is simply entitled The Grace of Giving. And um, it's an important verse that was read to us this morning, where Paul says to the church in Macedonia, I want you to excel in the gracious act of giving. Um, let me just begin by sharing a couple of stories. I'm sure you've seen many of these cranes that often appear uh, on the horizon, different places in our towns and our cities. Uh, they're very popular and uh, an ideal way to build up today. A very famous company called uh, the Lang Corporation. And uh, that was started by a guy called Sir John Lang. He was a devout Christian and the founder of the International Construction Company. This company was involved in pioneering many projects and one famous one that they built not so long ago was the second bridge that crossed the Severn River into Wales. Sir John was a Christian and it was his Christian faith that motivated him to be a pioneering company that was particularly concerned for the welfare of his staff. And today, the giving of the Lang Family Trust reflects the values that Sir John carried as a Christian. His values were to promote Christian faith and values, to care for those in need, to encourage young people to realize their potential, especially but not exclusively in the field of science and engineering and through Christian youth activities. If you're looking for funding for some Christian project, project, pro, project get it right, you can apply to the Lang Foundation because they are incredibly supportive of many Christian enterprises. An organization that you may not be so familiar with, and a book was written by a lady called Rosemary Lancaster, entitled Giving the Best Away. Rosemary grew up in a poor family in the northwest of England at the end of the Second World War. Struggling for survival in an era of ration books and austerity, she was destined for something astonishing and inspiring, far beyond her wildest dreams. John Lancaster, whom she married, left school without any qualifications. But he had an amazing ability to fix machines and invent things. He would go on to corner the market in conservatory roofing systems that was called Ultraframe. His company became a world leader floating on the stock market for £136 million. They were multi-millionaires. Rose and John Lancaster, both committed Christians, set about giving away their astonishing fortunes, starting with their employees. 
They set up the Lancaster Foundation with Rosemary in charge and offering medical and practical support to the suffering, disadvantaged, and marginalized people throughout the UK and Africa. Janice and I happen to know uh, John and Rose. Uh, don't come try to get any pennies out of us. But uh, our son Daniel has now started a job with the foundation, setting up a 24 7 prayer ministry in Clitheroe, but also seeking to support many of the incredible projects that they support in this country and in Africa. We've all heard of people like this. We've all heard of people who have somehow had a minus touch where they've been able to make a fortune. But it's wonderful to hear of Christians who, having made so much, then use their money to bless and to help and to encourage others to do good and wonderful things. In the Old Testament, God promised his people, Israel, this promise. He said, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on the earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be a kingdom of priests, my holy nation. Peter, in the New Testament, takes up the same theme, but he uses it referring to the church. He says, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very special possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, the kingdom of priests is not some elitist or exclusive group on earth. Priesthood is about servant. Being a priest was going to God on behalf of the people. And the Bible says that we are called to be priests. We are called to serve our world. We are called to introduce our world to the love of God and to help people to understand the kindness of God. And as Peter says, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of his darkness and into, out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's why today we are to be prophetic people who understand what God is saying to us in our day and generation and communicate his love to our broken world. That is the ministry of priesthood. Now, being part of New Life Church here in Winchester means that we are to be committed and involved in many ways as we serve and work together as a family. And when we have our welcome lunch, we express something of what that commitment and involvement really means. But one of the ways in which we are to be committed and involved is through the grace of giving. The Bible teaches about generosity. We had it virtuous. This is what it says. It says, you know that Jesus was generous in his grace towards each and every one of us. Even though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you could be rich. Do you know that you are one of the richest people in the You don't look very excited about that. Some of you are down and up and miserable. 
You are not rich in the terms of which the world is riches, but you are rich in the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ that far outstrips anything that can be bought on the face of it. You have an eternal heritage because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to just look at three principal areas that the Bible teaches about how we are to give in response to what God has done for each and every one of us in Christ. The first thing that we are to give is of our treasures. It says in the book of Proverbs, honor the Lord with your wealth. I like the way the message Bible puts it, where it simply says, honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. There was a very rich man who died. And the family gathered at the solicitors to hear the reading of the will. And there was one very avaricious member of the family who could not wait for all the details to be read of the will. And all of a sudden, he just couldn't contain himself and he blurted out to the solicitor, how much did the old man leave? And the solicitor looked up very calmly and he said, he left all of it. And the reason why is because the Bible says this, we bring nothing with us into this world. And when we go, we take none of it with us. Everything you amass in this life, everything you gain that makes you feel good, that makes you feel important, all the wealth, all the affluence, all the material possessions, all the money. Guess what? When you go, it all stays here. And that's why Peter's, Paul said that if we've got food and clothing, let us be content. We live in a very discontent, discontented generation. Because they, the, 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 the belief is that the more you have, the happier you become. It's a big lie. We bring nothing with us and we take nothing. Whatever you treasure will occupy your heart. Let me just explain that a little bit. If you invest in stocks and shares and are keen on making money, your heart will be there. Because you will frequently or continually be checking to see how your stocks and shares are doing. And if they're not doing very well, you will sell them and invest in something else. Your heart will be there following them. If you treasure having a nice home, a nice motor car, nice material things, your heart will be right there. Because you will be constantly looking after those things that you're concerned about. If you treasure nice holidays in warm places, and who doesn't? But if you treasure nice holidays in warm places, then your heart will be tracing after the travel agents to find out if you can jet off to somewhere nice in the sun. You see, Jesus is absolutely right when he simply says, where your treasure is, there your heart will serve. It's interesting, the Greek word for treasure is thesaurus. 
all over the thesaurus, and it? it's that book that has lots and lots of describing words. A thesaurus is literally a storeroom or a storehouse or a store place. That's what it means. So let me ask you this morning, what is in the storeroom of your life? What are the things that you are treasuring up, maybe for a rainy day or treasuring up for some other purpose? The second question is, does God control it or do you? You see, what you treasure most in your life is going to be where your heart will be, but how much access does God have to those treasures? This is what Jesus said about worldly wealth. He said this, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves can break in and steal them. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart would also be. You know, Moses had the right idea. Moses grew up as a prince in Egypt. You know the story. He was the, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. She adopted him, and he grew up with all the wealth and all the luxury that he could enjoy. He was surrounded by but the Bible says this of Moses. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. So we need to ask the question, what are the things that we treasure? And how much access does God have to them in our lives? Second principle that the Bible talks about giving is it speaks about the giving of our talents. <laughs> Turn with me to the book of Matthew 25, and I'm just going to read a few verses. This is a parable that Jesus taught. He told stories, and here is one of his wonderful stories. He says, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated like this. Okay, this is about the kingdom of heaven. It's about the story of a man going on a long trip and he called together his servants and he entrusted to them talents while he was gone. He gave five talents to one, two talents to another, and one to a third, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left and went on his trip. The servant who received the five talents began to invest. And he earned five more. The servant who had the two talents, he invested. He went to work and he earned two more. But the servant who received the one talent dug a hole in the ground, hid it. After a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give an account as to how they had used his money or the talents that he had given to them. Now, Jesus gives us this story to illustrate an important principle about the kingdom of heaven. This is not specifically about money, although your Bible might say it was bags of silver or whatever. It's not specifically to do with money. It's about using our gifts and abilities. Each one, the Bible says, was given in proportion to their abilities. We all have abilities. We do. The famous TV show Britain's Got Talent 
proves that fact. Now, some people go on the show who haven't got talent and they think they have talent, or they think their talent is in the wrong place. But you find amazing people on that show who have abilities and who have talents. We all have abilities. No one is born useless. Maybe that's a word for someone here this morning because you might think. Nobody is born useless. Why? Because we were created in the image of the likeness of God God's He is the creator of all creators. And there is something of you and there's something of me about God in each and every one of us. Something about him and me, not about me and you. Sorry about that. You know what I mean. None of us are born useless. And the Bible says this, that it's by God's grace that he's given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Now, the point Jesus makes in this story is that we are accountable for the gifts that we have been given. Life was never designed so that we please ourselves and just use our gifts in whatever way we choose. Adam had to work before sin entered the world. Do you know that? It was in the creative order. It says in Genesis 2.15, the Lord God placed Adam in the garden of Eden to tend it and watch over it. Work was created before sin ever entered into the world. And the Bible makes it clear that there is coming a day when all of us would have to give an account for how we have used our lives here on this earth. This is what the Bible says. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. How are you using your abilities for the glory of God and the blessings of your neighbor? That's the bottom line. James, he describes self-centered people. In James 5, verses 5 and 6, the Jamie Phillips version puts it like this. You have had a magnificent time on this earth. You have indulged yourselves to the full. You have picked out just what you wanted, like a soldier looting after a battle. You've condemned and ruined innocent men in your career, and they have been powerless to stop you. Pretty rich words there. How do you use your talents? How do you use your abilities? Some people use other people to better themselves. Some people have a terrible way of manipulating others just so that they can better themselves. Some people are so self-centered that life is all about me, what I want, what I want to do, everything about me. We live in a culture that feeds that kind of thinking. Whatever you want, you can have because life is about you. God placed you on this earth. God gave you abilities. God blessed you with capabilities so that you could bless his creation and bless others with the love of Jesus that flows through your life. And Jesus tore into the Pharisees and the religious leaders one day when he called them a bunch of hypocrites. And a hypocrite in the Greek is literally actor. So if you've been to see a play recently and you watch the budget, that's what it means. 
literally means actor. But Jesus tore into these religious teachers because he said, you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish. In other words, you are so careful about presenting an outward image that looks so wonderful and glossy and sweet and clean. But he said, inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. So how are you using your talents for the glory of God? Are you using them for yourself? Are you using them to bless others? Are you giving your life away? Are you being a priest who lives for the good of others and to bless and to serve others in every way you can with the gifts that God has blessed you with? Because that's what priestly men and women are called to do. Rick Warren says, use your affluence for good influence. One third area that I want to just pick up, it's not only about treasures and talents, but I expect you've guessed, we're also to give about tithes. Sometimes this is one of those ouchy talks when we talk about tithing. Not always very popular, is it? It's gone quiet. That's why. Okay, if you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Malachi. I'm just going to read a few verses. Malachi 3, verse 6. Malachi is the very last book of the Old Testament. If you found Matthew, then just go back a couple of pages and you'll find Malachi. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6. God says, should people cheat me? Should people cheat me? Yet you've cheated me, but you asked what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you, Lord? God says, you've cheated me of tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse. For you as a whole nation have been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord, I will open the windows of heaven. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take Try me, put me to the test. This is the only place in the Bible where God invites us to test him. It's in the area of giving of our finances to him. So what are we to learn from this? Well, we need to understand that tithing actually was introduced before the law. Moses tithed. Way before, uh, Abraham tithed way before Moses ever introduced the law of God. Tithing was endorsed by Jesus. And it's a fair system of giving. The principle of tithing is an act of obedience to God because if we don't tithe, God sees it as a problem. None of us like to be considered as thieves. But the grace of giving is all about behaving like Jesus. And what did that verse say this morning? You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sins he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Jesus gave his life away generously for each and every one of us. Tithes support the ministry. Tithes support missions. Tithes support church staff and are a practical way of giving back to God, expressing our gratitude and appreciation for all that he's given to us in Jesus Christ. 
want you just to watch a video. I love the preaching of J. John, and there's a good little talk that he just gives, and we're going to pause for a moment and watch that. Thank you, guys. There was a man at an airport and he wanted to buy a bag of very small donuts and a coffee. So he buys his bag of small donuts and buys the coffee and he's looking for somewhere to sit. But all the tables are all taken. But there's one table where there's one man sitting. He thinks, oh, I'll just go and sit on the seat here. So he goes there, puts his coffee down, puts his bag down, gets his coat off, puts it on the chair, sits down. Owns his coffee, has a sip, picks up the bag of donut, opens it, takes out the donut, starts eating it, puts the bag down. The man opposite stretches over, picks up the bag of donut, opens it, takes out the donut, starts eating it, puts the bag down, smiles. The other man cannot believe what he has just seen. He cannot believe that the man has just stolen one of his donuts. He's thinking, what, I mean, what is the world coming to? What is the world? But then he thinks, well, maybe, you know, the guy's not quite there, or, you know, he better not say anything in case the guy can be rough and violent. But he gives him one of these things, puts He picks up a bag of donuts, he takes out another donut, and he moves it into his coffee as far away from the other man. While he's sipping his coffee, the man stretches over, picks up the bag, takes out another donut, starts eating it, puts it on the table, puts it in that smile. The other guy can't believe he's done it twice. He's stolen two of my donuts. He's amazed. He can't believe it. Really angry. But he decides not to say anything. Anyway, the man gets up to leave. So the other man thinks it's a bad time you left the donut He put his coat on, he picked up his bag, he then picked up the bag. The donuts! There's one donut inside. He takes it out, he breaks it in half, he puts half in his mouth, half in the bag, he moves the bag, he smiles, he waves, off he goes. The other guy thinks, I'm not touching that donut, you donut thing. You're probably in full of infection. Anyway, he looks at his bottle, it's time for me to go. He gets up, he puts his coat on, he then bends down to pick up his bag and sitting on top of his bag was his bag of donuts. He was complaining, he was complaining that the other man was stealing his donuts when in fact the other man was sharing his donuts. Now, listen to me, listen to me. God owns all the Listen, every week we get a bag of donuts. God gives us a bag of donuts. 
And God has never, ever failed us. And we found that we were actually in a place where we could give more than the one donut. So supporting all other kinds of ministries, and God never, ever has failed us. And God says in Malachi, prove me, test me. Find out that I will be faithful and I will bless you way beyond you could ever ask or imagine. Problem is, very often we're frightened to prove God. We're frightened to put his word to the test. But when you think of what Jesus has done, see, Jesus didn't hold back. He didn't say, well, I'll just give half my life. Or I'll just share a little bit of what I He gave everything. He became poor so that we could be blessed by the grace and mercy and kindness of God. 2 Corinthians 8. Claire read some of it to us this morning. I just want to run through a few points that are here. Paul teaching and he says to this church in Macedonia, I don't know if you've caught it, but he spoke about them being poor. He says, you are, you are poor. And yet, there are these principles that he refers to. And we're just going to put them up as I come to a close this morning. He says this, you gave generously. God wants this church to be a generous church. I don't know how you measure generosity. But generosity is when you go over and above, way beyond what is needed. And Paul says, give generously. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. He who plants generously will get a generous and Jesus taught the story of the farmer where he went and he threw the seed everywhere. The sun landed on the path where the birds were picking up, sun landed in the rocks where they were able to take food, sun landed in shallow soil. This farmer was generous. He was going to throw his seed everywhere so that he would get a generous crop. And Jesus taught the story and said that the farmer did. We need to be people of a generous attitude. Not think twice when there's a need, but just to say, I'll respond. I'll give to that need. I'll bless that person who's in need. Generosity of spirit is a great quality because it's a Christ-like quality. But also we need to give proportionately. Because in 2 Corinthians 8, he says give in proportion to what you have. Tithing is in proportion. How many of you here are millionaires? No, I'm believing for them. If a millionaire tithes, he or she is giving the same as someone who is pretty poor. You're all giving a tenth. It's a fair system. Everybody is giving the same amount of donuts because it's in proportion to what you receive. And I love the fact that J. John says God owns them all anyway. Whatever you have in this life, it doesn't belong to you. It's on trust. God trusts you with it to use for his glory and for the blessing of others. So tithing is so fair. It is giving in proportion to what you receive. So everybody gives the same proportion. It's wonderfully fair. 
but also we are to give cheerfully. Those of you that came and gave this morning, or those of you that do it online, how many of you are smiling? I mean, it's not this morning, but it's a bit personal, isn't it? But I wonder if some of you came up with seriousness. We have to give cheerfully. The Greek word is hilarious. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. That's what the scripture says. Isn't that a lovely expression? Have you ever had a situation where, like I can remember as a boy, I used to get pocket money, I used to go and see my father on Friday evening, just before bath time or after bath, he would his clothes in his systems. Quite hard to tie all the sixpence. <laughs> You can do the maths, the old coinage, decimalization makes time a little easy. But I would remember some occasion if I've been a naughty boy, he would say, You don't deserve it, but here it is anyway. Didn't make me feel very good, did it? He didn't cheerfully give to me my pocket money. God loves a person who gives cheerfully whatever has happened. That's the grace of giving. Jesus cheerfully laid down his life for each and every single one of us. But also we are to give faithfully. On the first day of each week, says Paul in 1 Corinthians 16, you shall put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Now, it's okay if you receive your income weekly, but it's monthly, it can be very different. But the principle is faithfully doing it. A set time every month or every week. A holy habit. Faithfully committing to giving. You know, some people are all over the shop with their finances. They don't know what comes in and they don't know what spends. Some people are really irresponsible with the way they handle their money. I'm going to tell you, every penny you receive comes from the goodness of God, and you need to handle it responsibly. Not fritter it away and think, well, I don't know where this has gone or where that has gone. We need to be responsible in our accounting, in our budgeting, in our managing of the money that God blesses us with. And we need to faithfully, disciplined way, give back to him. But then one final principle is that we need to give willingly. Paul says, I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Some people tip God rather than tithing it. That's an insult, really is. And it's not in the principles in the way in which the Bible teaches us to give. God says, I want you to give willingly. When you do that, you will know my abundant goodness. So these are some of the values that we hold as a church. And probably you've heard them all before, but living them out is often a lot more challenging because it takes time. But whatever you treasure, make sure you use it for the glory of God. 
Whatever talents God has blessed you with, whatever abilities you have, make sure you use them for the glory of God and the blessing of God. Make sure you're a faithful person who tithes on your income. Bring your donuts every Sunday. And let's be faithful in giving back to God out of the kindness and the grace that is given to us. Jesus said this, the message Bible, give away your life. You'll find it given back, but not merely given back. Given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. Now it's an easy thing just to come back. Let's bow our heads in a moment of prayer. Father, we thank you that in Jesus we are so rich. We are so wealthy. We have eternal riches that we can never understand. But we know that in Christ you have blessed us so much. And Lord, the only reason you bless us is that we might be a blessing. And I want to pray that this church will be so blessed financially that we are just able to give away more and more all the time. Lord, may a spirit of generosity capture each and every one of our hearts. And I want to pray for anybody here, Lord, who, who struggles in the whole area of giving, who perhaps by nature is a saver rather than a giver. Lord, will you release us from any fear that holds us back when it comes to giving? Lord, we want to be those who honour you and bless others in every way that we possibly can. Father, just sow your word into our hearts. Whatever we need to receive and hear this morning, may your truth be outworked in and through our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.